0: Thank you for playing with your organ for us, Ray Darnell, and welcome to episode five of the Champagne Comedy Podcast, where we talk about the best Australian comedy show from the 90s ever made, The Late Show, and other degeneration comedy tidbits. My name is Matt, and joining this podcast today is in alphabetical order. Alison, Daniel, Kim, Pru, and Tony. Hey.
1: Hey.
0: Hey. How are we all? Yeah, pretty good. Excellent, excellent. And welcome back, Tony, for the second time. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Hooray. All right, and this episode we'll be talking about Season 1, Episode 5 of The Late Show, uh, which is fantastic. <laughs> We've lasted the fifth episode. Hooray! And thank you, everyone, for downloading and <laughs> listening If it wasn't for you downloading the show, we probably still would have kept going anyway because we're enjoying every single second (laughs) of this. So thank you for those 10 people. (laughs) All right. So um, we might as well go around the grounds, And this is... We've got some feedback, right? But this is a little bit of different feedback. This is more or less... You know when... And we all do this when we quote the show in everyday life, right? So you could yeah. you know everyone goes oh you know how much does that cost oh 50 bucks 50 bucks you know <laughs> j- just, <laughs> just an, as an example or uh yeah so brilliant
2: brilliant yes exactly <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, and some other things that could be deemed offensive these days And everyone just looks at you going, what? And you go, oh, don't worry about it, give up Now, this one, there was a really cool reference on a radio station, Double J, by Zan Rowe And thanks to Shannon Gill for pointing this out Have a listen to this
3: Oh, no holds barred with uh, idols there And I always yeah. wanted to say no <laughs> beg your <laughs> Very, very much taking you back yeah. To the degeneration grounds there from idols ultra mono is the record that we're featuring there you yeah. Go. I <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i know so, their demographic yeah i love the way triple j just keeps aging with us like it's not it's not staying the same
0: <laughs> yeah so yeah. hello to zan who is a big degen fan and uh, yeah, keeping the dream alive, no holds, barred, no beg your pardons. And other than that, um, so if you ever hear any references to the late show or degeneration stuff um, in everyday life or on TV or on radio or wherever, uh, feel free to send it through. Uh, tweet us at, at TLS Champagne or email champagnelateshow at gmail.com and uh, yeah, send the audio through or I'll do my best to try and track it down. And so we can all get a good laugh out of it.
4: It'll be interesting uh, if we're able to uh, work out uh, what the uh, reference is into as well. This this might be an opportunity to try and stump us.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Even if you have a I don't know I, I guess a community radio show who makes a lot of references, uh, yeah, that will do as well. Anything at all, just to give us a good damn laugh because we need that today. So yeah. And another thing, which which is a little bit of a downer, the. Recent passing of uh, Eddie Van Halen from the band mm. Van Halen. And the late show did a nice little Van Halen reference back in 1993, season two, episode one. But by the time we get around to that in our podcast, the one thing that we all thought of was uh, Sid Halen doing Van Halen after Mick stuffed up his musical guest. So here's a bit of a flashback. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great memories, that's for sure. So, jump into it.
4: Probably just going into what was up against The Late Show, episode uh, five, on that Saturday night.
0: Oh, yes, that will be season one, episode five, broadcast on Saturday, August 15, 1992. And the That's guide place, yep.
4: On Channel 7, uh, there was the movie Down and Out in Beverly Hills from 1986, starring Richard Dreyfuss and Bette Midler. Then on Channel 9, uh, Hey Hey It's Saturday had uh, quite a lot of guests. The Angels, Denny Hines and the Rockmelons, Elvis impersonator Max Pelicano, Paul Mercurio and Tony Lockett. We don't know whether Tony Lockett had his greyhound with him or not. <laughs> Um, and that was followed by uh, Clint Eastwood as Dirty Harry in 1976 as the Enforcer. Then on Channel 10, uh, we've got basketball, uh, the Canberra Cannons versus North Melbourne Giants. I've got no idea what the final score was because I cannot find any results for NBL in 1992. Although um, there is a bit of a critique from Ross Warnke, uh in the Saturday listings. Um he says, NBL Basketball has hardly set the TV ratings alight this year and the failure the failure of the Aussie boomers to get a medal in Barcelona last week makes it unlikely that things will change. So, obviously, a very high rating there on Channel 10. SBS had an Italian drama from 1942 called Ossessione, uh, Lucina Visconti's first movie. A drifter and an unfaithful wife plot to kill the woman's husband. So lots of quality there up against movies and sport. Um, and finally we've got, um, on the ABC, the lead into the late show was Smith and Jones. And then after the late show was a movie from 1955 called *Violent Saturday. So criminals move into a small town with the intention of robbing the bank and yeah, directed by Richard Fleischer, I don't know who he is, but that just made anybody who wanted to watch rage wait around till 1230. Um, (laughs) and they were featuring in excess, uh, now, also speaking of the listings, Ross Warnicke puts in his own little critiques into the listings on Saturday. And this one managed to make the, um, <laughs> the special features of the DVD. He lists the, the late show as being a live Melbourne produced comedy <laughs> hour that is 55 minutes too long. What the hell, Warnicky? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what the hell? What, what is his deal?
0: Sounds like our podcast, it's 55 minutes too long. <laughs> oh, <yeah.
1: laughs> So that's,
4: that's, that's our that's fault. That. But... So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so that's, it. that's all
0: I've got. If anybody else has anything, well, I was going to say uh, in the TV guide that uh, Andrew from televisionau.com sent through, thank you very much. Unfortunately, the late show did not make Panasonic Pixar day with the G code. So, oh, no, yeah, there oh, we that's go. A, yeah. It's a tragedy. yeah, but Ivan Hutchinson uh, does his uh, Saturday movies on TV and uh, gave yeah. the Enforcer. Two stars, which is above average. Pretty
5: generous there from Ivan, I think.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think so. (laughs) He did suggest flying high, but that's on a different page and I can't really see. So, uh, (laughs) oh well, Well, at least he's got some taste there. Wasn't it? Tony Martin did idolize Ivan and uh, was good friends with him too, wasn't it?
6: Yeah, Yeah, he was. Yeah. Can can I just go back to the five minutes of the late show that Ross (laughs) thinks isn't too long? And maybe we could speculate on what that is, because you know, having watched this episode, I'm thinking probably the only five minutes he might actually like is the four kinsmen performing Green Door. But you know, other suggestions.
0: Well, there's some sizzle for you when we get up to that part of the podcast. So I've
4: I've, I've got a feeling that Ross Warnecke might have liked certainly the before credits sequence. Yes,
7: I would say that is correct. Yeah, probably (laughs) El
0: McPherson. Well, speaking of the start of it uh, with L, um we have the opening of the episode, which is Jane Kennedy being L or playing L because at the during the week it was uh, Channel Nine screened L McPherson in Barley special to promote the photo shoot of the calendar. It was all well, about it. I
6: remember this. It was really, really heavily trailed for a long, long time. and, you know, Considering it's basically a program about her shooting a calendar that you can go out and buy, it, it's it's kind of it's slightly outrageous as a piece of television.
0: Yeah, <laughs> in fact, I've got a I managed to track down a, a bit of the episode too. So if you want to hear Elle actually summarising the special, please bear with us. It goes this goes for about forty five seconds.
2: I don't have to step out of myself when I'm on camera. I think that's probably one of the biggest difference between acting and modelling. In my in my case, um, I think it's just basically being in touch with what you're wearing and where you are and, and I really don't make a scenario in my head, it's just, I'm just there and that's the way I deal with modeling too because I don't <laughs> like to feel like when I look at the camera, I don't think to myself I'm making love with the camera or I'm flirting with the camera or it's, I'm just, just me. And that's the way I deal with, you know, with sometimes being in in very provocative clothing and very provocative situations. I don't have to, on top of it, make a scene in my head. Does that make sense?
1: Does it make sense?
6: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God.
7: Oh, my God. It just (laughs) makes sense now. It It explains everything. everything, yeah. 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 Seven different accents. I know that she was on those commercials and she always had, because she's such an international supermodel, she just takes on the accent of whichever country she's visiting, living the life (laughs) of an international supermodel. Um, But, yes, you can't really make that up. It was, yeah,
3: all makes sense. I find it very hard to bag Elle (laughs) McPherson because she is responsible for the greatest fitness tape of all time. I highly recommend (laughs) you all look it up on YouTube. It's the most (laughs) difficult... Program you'll ever put yourself through.
0: And then clear your browser (laughs) a bit later as well after you look it up.
4: (laughs) I was uh, stunned at the attention to detail because the the clip from the actual L special, as well as the parody on the Latch show, both had uh, Tommy Emanuel playing underneath it. Yes, it did. Oh, wow. How did you spot that? I, I was pretty sure it was Tommy Emmanuel. I, I did have to Shazam it and found out it was a song called Initiation. Uh, yeah.
0: If you want to listen to it online. I can play the grab again. Here we go. Have a listen to the background.
2: I don't have to step out of myself when I'm on camera. Do-do. I think that's probably one of the biggest difference between...
0: Yep, that's definitely Initiation. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and then, obviously, uh, you know, the follow-up for that was the Kokoda Legacy, hosted by Elle as well. Yeah.
6: Yeah, I'm wondering actually, was was there something about um, you know, Vietnam or or um or war generally was, sorry, it's the Second World War, isn't it, Kokoda? Um was the anniversary of Kokoda like a documentary that had happened in the sort of week preceding that?
1: Or
3: oh. I reckon it must have been. It seems like it's really referencing the previous week's TV highlights. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah.
5: I mean, the ABC and, and Channel 9 and that, are, they're always big fans of Kokoda and always, you know, any chance for a football player to walk the track, they'll make sure that they give a special out of it.
4: Yeah. Well, um, the, only, the only other thing I'll mention is that uh, this show aired on the previous Thursday at 8.30 on Channel 9, which just happens to be the time slot that was vacated by Sex.
0: Of course, with Sophie Lee. Yeah, that's the one. Ended up being mixed future so girlfriend. Very,
4: very appropriate.
6: <laughs> oh, hang on. I've just Googled this, and it looks like the Kokoda Trail was sort of being used in World War II from around 1942. So there would have been a, a sort of 50th anniversary kind of programming probably would have been, you know, yeah, there, there probably was a documentary about the Kokoda Trail because it was the 50th anniversary of that time.
0: That would explain a lot, yeah.
6: Yeah, okay.
0: Cool. Well, with the opening titles and straight into the opening remarks with Mick and Tony, who promoting National El McPherson Week. So it was a big hoopla with her calendar, which was yeah. being on sale as well at What's New. I do remember a commercial or two with that. And remember what? Sure, you do. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, uh,
6: She's a they were switch. difficult to avoid, as, as I recall.
0: And, and because Elle was in Bali, you know. Tony asked Mick, you know, what would you experience in Bali? Because there was a big Bali, Bali, Bali thing going all around. So, And Mick pointed out there was the obvious alcohol poisoning, a leaky bottom. <laughs> <Sorry>. and, <laughs> and the T-shirts. Yes, the crappy T-shirts, yeah. And the bullshit story from Tony, which was, you know, <laughs> getting a spider bite and it grew bigger and bigger and bigger and then out came a Nissan X. <laughs> Yeah, Nissan X's.
1: Yeah.
4: Which I think they were they were very boxy little cars, weren't they?
0: I believe they were, hadn't they
4: were hatchbacks, weren't they? I think
0: Quick, everyone Google Nissan X. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's an,
4: it's an, it's an X EXA.
0: Ah. See that's how much I know about cars. Oh yeah, it is. It's very boxy. Oh god, yeah. Those ship boxes. <laughs> the point
5: is that they weren't the size of tiny spiders
0: No, <laughs> they didn't, yeah. weren't coming out of people's cheeks, that's for sure And Jace had been a bit of an arsehole because he appeared on Sale at the Century for the comedian special, wasn't it? That it
7: was uh, Red, Face, the red yeah. Face's penguin sketch
0: Oh yes, yeah, well they did mention the Red Face's yeah. Uh, sketch, yeah. yeah you did, which was the penguins
6: What it was, was there was a compilation of um, the best of Red Face's and and they did a, a section in that programme about some of the people who'd gone on to become quite well known celebrities. And Jason apparently had done this sort of this act which involved him basically dressing up as as a penguin. But he'd done this on Red Faces in I think the nineteen eighties. So before mm. he was famous for being in the D Gen and the Late Show. And and so that was shown on this special. Uh, fairy and, penguins. You know, this, yeah and because you know because of the the penguin sketch being on that week he suddenly became this showbiz asshole and there's this <laughs>
3: thing
6: about, about how he's got this amazing dressing room full of celebrities
3: then we see Peter
6: Couchman
3: yeah Peter
1: Couchman
3: <laughs> yeah, a Peter Couchman's <laughs> one of those people who is like in my memory but I cannot remember why like he was was he like the Tony Jones of the 90s was he just yeah he's um, on TV cool show Couchman? He oh, had, had, had a program it. which was
6: kind of like a prototype version of Q and A, and it was called Couchman. And they would basically, have, and they would have like a big audience in, and they would just have, sort of discuss like a
4: topical issue.
3: That's right. It was like Q and A, yeah.
6: Yeah, it was a, a forum.
3: In program. fact,
4: uh, the best and worst of Red Faces and Couchman were both on the same night, um, the Wednesday before the episode.
1: Uh, ah. <laughs>
0: Well, that's when yeah, Tony and Mick had gone to Jace's dressing room, and that's when they walk in. And one of the most famous lines from it. Oh, fine, I'll say it then. Let's run over Todd from Neighbours.
4: Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Good, good little callback to the very first episode too. Yes. Yeah.
5: They'd clearly gone to one of Melbourne's slightly fancier hotels to film that, but i yeah. Yes. I couldn't. I. I've visited a bunch of those hotels to do interviews for for work and stuff over the years. But they all have that same sort of generic golden polished sort of decor. So Mm. I I was trying to figure out if it was, uh, there's a fancy one just near Parliament House that would have been quite new around that time. And it looked a lot like that, but... I couldn't tell you for sure which one they'd gone on to to visit the presidential suite.
3: So what, you're saying when they left the studio door and they walked down the corridor, there was some magic, magic of
5: television? Magic yeah. Mm. Trickery.
3: <laughs> the camera sort of goes
4: across the backs of Tony and Mick, and I think it's about there that that's where the join is between abc studios and the presidential suite
0: well get out the best bits of the late show dvd and you can see it in glorious high standard definition where they do that little bit of a zoom into i believe would have been mixed back very clever and then uh then they go into the bedroom there's uh good old celebrity stooge philip brady jumping on the bed oh i love
6: philip yelling brady. shazam shazam <laughs> well, jumps up and down on the bed which i just love i just love the sort of the gleeful you know, joyfulness of, of that, like, you know, he like he's a 10-year-old boy or something. It's great.
1: Does
5: anyone know how old Philip Brady would have been at that point?
4: He looks
6: about 50-odd, doesn't he? I think
4: he's 81 or so
5: So
0: that now. he would have been so like 50, 59, 58, 59.
5: Because I remember at the yeah. time thinking, oh, he's kind of old and then I'm now approaching that age myself.
0: <laughs> yeah, so he
6: was... So Philip Brady was born in 1939, which makes him currently 81 years old. So,
4: yeah, he would have uh, been... There we
0: go.
4: All, the, that time, all that time listening to Remember When on 3AW has paid off. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, after that, we had Newsdesk with Tommy G. And uh, so some of the stories uh, that, was, uh, that were recited during Newsdesk was George W... Or not W, sorry, he, us in the future... George Bush hits back at the marriage infidelity uh, story, which was uh, it was alleged that he had been sleeping around. Uh, and which, they... which seems insane now. It's yeah. like
5: George Bush is the yeah. least sexy pri- <laughs> president of America in 30 years. How is he sleeping around? What a the- crazy story. <laughs> Made my head spin. Well,
6: you know, um, John Major slept around. So, you know, they're all at it, clearly. Oh. <laughs> Even yeah. the not very good looking ones.
5: What was in the water in the nineties? Oh, yeah.
4: I, I
1: don't know. I think, I think, I think
4: you, you just had to be a, a politician. I mean, if, if we want to drag, you know, current events into it, you, can, you know, you can just you can just be a politician and um, yeah, you can get on with anyone. Yeah. <laughs> is, is that a sly reference to Gladys Berejiklian at all? It might
6: be. You know, yeah. she's not
5: getting on with anyone. That's a co-worker. That's. Standard practice across all Australian workplaces.
6: Yeah, but this this was the thing about George Bush because it, it was a, a sort of presidential aide that he was sleeping with, wasn't it?
5: I oh, think. that's right. Yes.
6: Yeah, and and I in have fact, no John, memory of this. Yeah, and John Major's affair was with um, a cabinet minister, so you know it, it was all it was all sort of banging each other in the workplace.
5: But that's um, one of the things I, I find from revisiting these episodes. they they're full of these. Big news stories that have completely vanished from history.
1: Mm, There's yeah. just
5: no recollection whatsoever of this story. That clearly at the time they're like, "Oh, this is the big news story of the week. We've got to pounce on it." And oh. then now it's like George Bush slept around. What?
1: But it's yeah, like the exactly. like a previous yeah.
0: episode when they had Gareth Evans, and next thing you know, you fast forward a few years later, and then it turns out that uh, the extramarital affair between him and Cheryl Kernow.
1: Mm, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
0: And uh, obviously the Bill the, um, Clinton one. <laughs> So that goes without saying. I thought the thing.
3: bit of film they did with like this bum squeeze was really awkward too. Did you notice that? <laughs> yeah. They it yeah. and it's like, oh, hang on, blink and you miss it. It was odd. Yeah. <laughs> there were some better ones in previous weeks. Yep. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. The next story was uh, the Sarajevo family being chosen as the guest family for the main event. And, uh, yeah, that um, was a very dated joke there. Um Because they showed footage of a devastated war-torn family. bit tasteless, mainly because the main event was a tasteless game. I
3: think we need to play a game where we find out an episode where they don't have a joke about the main event.
0: I don't like those odds right now. So
3: <laughs> I could
0: already think about two, two of them and that's I know that's in future episodes. Another story was the authorities uh, to prosecute after viewing the latest footage of uh, Rex Hunt Fishing Australia and they showed the footage of a whale being caught up in shark nets. Now, I'm guessing that happened in Melbourne or somewhere like that. So uh, yeah, it was just like a generic uh, footage of something that happened in Australia.
5: I was just going to say, I think this was before sort of Rex Hunt's rise to fame as well. There was a stretch. He just had an obscure sort of Melbourne-only fishing show and was, you know, an ex-footballer who was on the radio. And then for some reason, and I'm not sure exactly when in the 90s, he suddenly took off and became this big character and he was all over the place. And then he just faded away again.
3: You know what one I- Give it up.
0: Yes, yibby
4: This must have been when he was in London, Cambridge, and you know met the bloke uh, <laughs> from the Netherlands.
3: <laughs> um, you know what came it, up to me.
0: <laughs> you know what I did discover uh, today, actually, and I, I can't find it now, but I did find it earlier. Rex Hunt had a VHS release of uh, a bunch of bloopers from his fishing show. So I
6: have a vague memory of that. I have a vague memory of that. And and I, I do remember when like Rex Hunt would turn up on, on television, obviously this was in Adelaide, you know, that I was watching it. And it was around the time when like, you know, again, Burke's Backyard was this kind of obscure Saturday morning kind of gardening program that your dad might watch. And then all of a sudden it's prime time viewing and and it was all part of the kind of the nineties enthusiasm for lifestyle programming. and And Rex Hunt, I think was just in the right place at the right time, they went, oh yeah here's a show about fishing. We'll put that on in prime time all of a sudden, you know.
0: Yeah.
4: Now also, just uh, because you've mentioned um, Rex Hunt and Adelaide uh, and uh, also bloopers, um, I should probably also mention floating about on YouTube somewhere, there's a video of Rex Hunt endorsing flavoured milk in Adelaide. Uh-huh. Um, uh, Farmer's it was Union? A, it was a, no, uh, it was Dairy Vale and their bunch of flavoured milks were called DV. And unfortunately, there's like the the, the oh yeah I know I know the, like <laughs> DV these these days stands for something a lot more serious, and yeah basically the marketing material <laughs> was Rex Hunt uh, drinking the milk and saying DV okay, um, wow. so oh that has not aged well I'll I'll try and, and unearth that because there's there's like it's a marketing video with bloopers and. Rex trying to, to G up that, you know, we're, we're going to have a, a good year selling choppy milk.
0: Oh no! Um, I'm,
4: I'm pretty sure that's still on YouTube. I'll find that for you and uh, uh, get that tweeted out.
0: Yeah, we'll bring it up in the next episode. So <laughs> after the quick little news stories, you have the UN helps families uh, get out of war-torn Bosnia on the buses. So the first bus had the sound of children singing or family singing, and the second bus uh, is a bunch of Aussies pissed on the bus. Here we go, here we go. Which reminded me of the, <laughs> was it the Flying Dickheads out of the Degeneration generation Satanic Sketches? Mm. It was mm-hmm. the Flying Dickheads, wasn't it? And they were going, T-N-T, oi, and we want to wee. If you don't stop for us, we'll do it on the bus.
5: That's the one. There around. seemed to be a big thing with bus chants for some reason. Perhaps it was just the age oh. I was at that time, but there was a lot of chanting on buses, I remember, in like the late 80s and early 90s. Yeah. Can't, re- can't
3: remember a single one of them now.
5: <laughs> no. I can remember a lot, but none of them are suitable for broadcast on a publicly accessed podcast. No, there was a lot <laughs> of very unpleasant ones that used to be chanted on school buses and various kind of sports prison stuff.
0: Well you're more than welcome to say it and then straight after it say censor that and then I'll work on that a bit later. <laughs> okay. So uh, in regards to Bosnia. So France sending tanks, uh, Belgium sending flags and England air cover, and the US is sending naval support and Australia is supplying uh Portaloose and a donut truck.
6: Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's a callback to um, Australia's contribution to the Gulf War when we sent three ships
0: oh, of course. in what was
6: basically a land war. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> our, our contribution was always pretty pissy, as I recall.
0: Fantastic. And we have the Red Cross uh, allowed into Bosnian concentration camps and they did not find much evidence at all. Uh, and then they cut to a sketch of Tony showing uh, the Red Cross to an empty room, describing it's a five-star service where it was a bit of a shambles. Points out blood on Spilt, which is actually uh, cordial, uh, and they start singing the Coddy's jingle. My yeah. dad. Yep.
3: Yeah, what an Oscar-winning awesome awesome performance this was from Tony. I love this sketch. <laughs> 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 He's really getting into it. Yeah. I, I, I love the way he sort
4: of malaprops everything and sort of turns phrases around like lucky go happy and uh, what's it? Uh...
0: Oh, translating
4: ass over tit or tit over ass. I forget which one it was. Yeah, and then there was <laughs> Santo
0: playing um, a prisoner, and yeah, he
4: was in his element there. He just loves
7: those dress up, yeah, steps.
0: yep. So, uh, and then next part was the finance, and the Aussie dollar drops two cents. Which today it's, yeah, that's whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah.
4: yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm not going to make comment on that because, like last time when I said, I, you know, I, I would kill for a high interest rate savings account, and I, I got, I, I got reminded uh, by uh, one of our fans on Twitter that uh, a high interest savings uh, account would also mean a high interest mortgage as well. So I'm 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 going completely away from from You're steering uh, clear of all of that. Yeah from 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 all of this financial business.
5: Well in boring financial it, it was quite close to when the Aussie dollar had been floated floated in the mid 80s wasn't it. So the idea yeah. of it going up and down by any sort of thing was still relatively
0: new.
4: The only joke here is is the the stock market guys really
0: well, did, yeah. did you see in the listing for it, for the finance listing, uh, they, when they were showing the foreign currency, uh, they showed uh, one of them being a, a, like an image showing seashells, a comb in a condom packet that was worth more than the Australian dollar.
3: Yeah, I saw that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it, it was a blink and miss it type thing. Yeah. And, yeah, Australian dollar was listed as an IOU. One of those
7: ones you have to freeze frame and... Have a look
0: properly. Yeah, because mm-hmm. straight after that, they showed a little bit of a sketch with it where they cut to the financial sector office uh, looking lazy. And They go, Oh, quit. The news people are going to come. And so, oh, we better look busy. Camera crew come, film, sell, 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 bye, bye, bye. And then once the camera crew leave, sorry, I'm doing all these wavy arm things in front of the camera and it's a bloody podcast. And <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and then they disappear. It's like, Yeah, put feedback up again. Now, According to the Truth newspaper, the Leyland brothers are in financial trouble, or were in financial trouble, uh, due to the I, theme park. I
4: love, I love, I love how they have to um, uh, preface that with "according to the truth." It's, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. sort of like it's sort of like if you had to say "according to a new idea" or "according to the Daily Mail" these days. Yes. Oh yes. Yeah. It's 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 a it's a little qualified to say. You know, take that what you will. Yeah. They could have found a better news source for that. <laughs>
3: It's yes. funny, though, this whole Leyland Brothers thing, because in in 1992, we still had a, quite a lot of respect for the Leyland Brothers. You know, yeah. like, yes, they were funny looking, but they were, you know, they were
5: good. Did we, though? Really?
3: Yeah. Everyone, watched <laughs> everyone was into the Leyland Brothers. And then later, like, was it only recently they did a big um, documentary? And remember, they, they don't even speak to each other anymore. It's really awful. Once passed away. Oh my God, there's a split in the Leylands. Yeah, there's a really great documentary out it somewhere.
0: I believe it was they did something on Australian Story a while ago and I think it was Mike, which one passed away in 2009? Here we go.
7: Pretty sure I went to Leyland Brothers World back when it was first launched. I think it was only around a couple of years.
0: I did. I, uh, went, well, I went to go and then I fell sick. It was a school excursion. And um, yeah, I didn't get to go. However, I did drive past it numerous times because it was up in Newcastle or just past Newcastle, a big fiberglass piece of crap, and, <laughs> which was in the shape of Ayers mm. Rock. And uh, then it turned into a petrol station after they uh, went bankrupt. And now yeah. uh, it burnt down a couple of years ago.
6: So, so if you did go to Leyland Brothers World, what were the attractions you could see apart from the fiberglass Ayers Rock?
0: Bush Camp. And uh-huh. uh there was wildlife right yeah, that, that's pretty it was pretty much a giant bush camp
6: i I can't <laughs> imagine why why that obviously brilliant offer to the public would have gone bankrupt i I just can't see're <laughs> wrong it It seems like a great business model. yeah, it was <laughs> in
0: the middle of nowhere like you once you go to Newcastle and drive past it, you, all you're doing is going to Queensland after that, or ballina, so right. yeah, or you know it's that Altari. And then you just keep driving. But because being based up in Queensland and I had family down in Sydney, it'll be so much bloody fun driving back and forth. And I always, no matter how full or empty my car was, I'd just go in and get petrol because it's like, hey, it's Leyland Brothers, Airs Rock. And <laughs> I'm now going in, filling up and doing a steaming pole of number twos in the corner. So that was one of the <laughs> best things about The Rock Roadhouse. And it got to that point where... It had been so much exposed in the sun, it went from a the brown airs rock to a really fluoro yellow color underneath and when you <laughs> not go- surprising
7: it burnt down then
0: Oh, yeah, it was a pile of crap, which was just amazing. I got a kick out of it mal uh, Mike Leyland passed away in two thousand and nine. They did have a bit of a breakup, and well Mal ended up patching up things with Mike just before he passed away because he also had mm-hmm. some dementia. And yeah, you want to do this, that, and the other, and Mel's going, "Oh, hold on, we can't do that." And yeah, it just went a totally different direction. And part of the stress was also the theme park falling apart. So it was a bit of a tragic story towards the end. But if you look on part of YouTube, you'll find some stuff.
6: As a kid, I, I really enjoyed watching the Leyland Brothers' adventures, and and it's it's sad that it ended badly for them.
0: Yeah, you can find old episodes of Leyland Brothers on YouTube for free legally. Mm-hmm. So I highly recommend it and don't read the comments. That's all I can say. <laughs> that, <laughs>
6: that's, true. that's true for all of YouTube. Never read the comments.
4: Yeah. Even on something as innocuous as the Lerman Brothers.
0: Yeah. So they cut to Robin Santo playing Mel and Mike saying they're in deep shit because, uh yeah, that, that's ended up being a running joke a bit further on down the track in the episode. Um, George Bush, uh, alleged affair with a former aide, cut to Bush and Barbara Bush and, uh, you know, and some bo- hornbag that he met at the White House where the vision cuts the back of everyone on the camera so you can't really see who it was. George Bush also agreed to an interview. And so you queue to Rob as George Bush chatting to Tom and George, quote Rob, admits that he met her once on studs. And that's where all the studs jokes start <laughs> happening.
7: Yeah and that really takes me back
6: doesn't it. I love this because you know yeah I love the studs reference because I remember studs being on TV not for very long it didn't last very long as I recall but but basically the concept was it was a dating show and and if the women liked the men they would give them a little love heart which they would stick with velcro onto the leg of their trousers and so (laughs) by by the end of the program. (laughs) Yeah. By the end of the program, the man who had the most of these love hearts stuck on their trousers was the winner. I, I think I think that's what the concept was. So, yeah, George Bush had obviously been on studs because he had quite a few of the love hearts, I noticed. <laughs> yes. So, so it was basically these... like perfect match.
3: But Yeah, done. it, it yeah. was
6: a kind of updated 90s version of perfect match. It was a bit more
7: M-rated. Yeah. Yeah.
3: had oh,
1: a bit
7: yeah. more and some yeah, like as you see in this particular example the three things um that he kissed me more powerfully than air force one i was his first lady that night and his second and then uh, the president certainly had his finger on the button so <laughs> were the three things and you had to kind of guess who who said that um and then they get the love heart if they get it right um yeah. so my
3: favorite was... part in the, of this whole bit of Ross, uh, Rob's um, impression was when Tommy G sort of says, "Okay, we've got to go now," and Rob goes, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> just, just <the>
1: final <laughs> bit at the end, go, "Okay."
6: <laughs> I also like how in George Bush's office there's like a Mickey Mouse telephone. <laughs> I don't
1: America, a fil-
6: fil- fil- yeah, fill the set full of American things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a Mickey Mouse telephone, which, of course, any president has in the Oval Office.
0: Next story, Phil Tufnell bald. There's no joke. It's just they like to see Phil Tufnell <laughs> getting bald. That's like the <laughs> most simplest joke ever. That's the most effective yeah. one as well.
6: I, I and, was and... interested in, in this joke because I don't know whether Phil Tufnell had a particular reputation for being, I don't know, outspoken or, or annoying or, or anything. Um, I, yeah, I don't know enough about cricket to know that. And why, why just him being bowled out would be funny. But um, it's possibly worth noting that he won Britain's um, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here in 2003. Really? And, and <laughs> all of a sudden his career was revived because obviously he he was too old to play cricket at that point. But because the general public seemed to love Phil Tufnell so much, he ended up having a weird kind of side career doing stand-up comedy um, oh, for a period of time. right so so i i don't know if if on the cricket circuit you know in the 90s he was considered to be a kind of you know funny prankster or or whatever but um yeah he, he later for whatever reason became a, a stand-up comedian
0: wow yeah
4: and, and yeah. the the other thing is that uh, i i do like this no joke joke which is i'm I'm pretty sure this this is quintessentially tom Weisner. Yeah because you you, you 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 do see this joke crop up occasionally in have you been paying attention where a bit of footage is played, but there's no question attached to it, you know? It's just yeah. because we like to see the bit of footage. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's a it's a great little recurring gag from from Tom throughout the years.
0: And the last yep. story from the news desk is the four wheel drive that had driven into Parliament House and police on hand uh, to arrest the culprit. And they cut to the culprits who are you well, guessed it. Now. Yep. They're in deep yeah. shit again.
3: I love this um <laughs> cut back to them because you can really see the glory of rob's low slung pants is he mike or is he mel i don't know which one he is but it doesn't matter (laughs) the costuming was just genius like i don't rob what we'll do is we'll just put your pants a bit lower
6: anyone remember the story about the actual guy who ran his four-wheel drive into parliament house because i remember the story but i can't remember why he did it i think he was protesting about something whatever he was protesting about i cannot remember
3: i don't know but i wasn't it this week somebody threw some paint at at a pm's car or something like i'm confused there's so many parliament hmm. pm car stuff yeah that was this week
0: Yeah, here we go. August 13, 1992, a man drives vehicle into Parliament House. A 68-year-old part-time teacher had no explanation for driving through the front entrance (laughs) of Parliament on Wednesday uh, with a sawn-off shotgun in his four-wheel drive vehicle. Wow witness said the man signaled a left turn as he drove you <laughs> turn <he> indicated <laughs> as he drove up <laughs> the grave the gravel drive stopped and then reversed to align his vehicle so he could drive between the two sets of pillars outside the doors and frightened tourists students and office workers scattered as the vehicle rammed through two sets of brass and glass double doors and into the crowded lobby but no one was injured so uh, oh, thank
4: goodness I, or, or us are, are laughing at it would uh, probably not be good uh,
0: here we go see,
4: see the thing is like if that had happened
6: 10 years later it, it would have caused massive panic because you know it yeah. because of heaven, everything changed but but back in the 90s if people did something like that people were sort of in proportion about the severity of it it just seems to me like basically a kind of a slightly kind of nutbaggy sort of bloke just you know <laughs> t- took a wrong turn and everyone just went yeah well he didn't kill anyone, so that's fine. You know, that, that was the 90s, wasn't it? Things were a lot more relaxed back then.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. I have lived in Canberra, and I am just amazed the fact that he indicated to drive into Parliament House.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I swear, the place is full of roundabouts and people who do not indicate. Here we go. He said that he really told the magistrate that he had no explanation for his action or the presence of the shotgun. So, uh, Right.
6: Okay. So, so yeah, it's it's fine to drive your four-wheel drive into Parliament House whilst carrying a loaded gun, as long as you indicate on the way in. Yep.
0: <laughs> I think he was going to fishwicks for porn and fireworks, but he took the wrong turn, there, that's for sure. So the next part is the shampoo commercial, which is uh, the German Blitzkrieg. And that's my really shoddy German accent there. Neo-Nazis for your hair. Thank you. <laughs>
6: wunderbar wunderbar
0: yeah (laughs) Uh,
6: i i found this i found this commercial a bit weird because they're you know they're talking about like scandinavia and and the scent of the scandinavian pines but actually it's about nazis who who were german so i
1: it
0: confused uh, me too
6: yeah, as a World War II nerd, I got a bit confused by this, but but anyway, we, we get the idea. It's, you it's get it, North- that
3: it's you know, it's Norska Fresh, it's Timothy, it's yeah. Bruce yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah well, they, what, they
3: a, what a <laughs> raunchy episode this is for Jane. Like yeah. every yeah. teenage boy I knew in the nineties was deeply in love with Jane Kennedy. And looking at this episode, I'm kind of getting why.
6: Yeah, you know, he yeah. nudes up quite a lot during this.
3: He does nude up. And, and it's quite funny seeing um, Rob, Santo, and Tom there in their ubiquitous white, skitties. white skitties. and they're, they're looking up. They're trying very hard to look. In the they look direction. very Aryan <laughs> in their white Yeah.
4: <laughs> and they, they, they would have had to do that for at least, or well, try and do it for at least 30 seconds without cracking the hell up.
1: <laughs>
0: oh, Yeah. yeah.
4: Also- so, so well so well done to all four involved, having to stand there in a tiny shower and, and have to do that. <laughs>
0: wearing skivvies. They were wearing yeah, skivvies yeah. as well, white skivvies. But it was a commercial made just to have a chance to show some tit. <laughs> oh, next segment is understanding wogs with Santo. Now, I'm only saying logs because that was the name of the segment just look uh, uh, my, my
4: dad's side of the family is northern italian so i i give you my blessing you can you can
1: use that <laughs> word
4: at least around me
0: thank you and and,
6: and just for, for those listening daniel g has just done the kind of the crossing
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
6: so it was a genuine blessing there
0: thank you <laughs> And uh, yeah, this one is one of the most famous uh, sketches because they go around uh, Uncle Alberto's house. And uh, so the topic is about architecture or as defined by the Italia-Australian dictionary, hey, Mr. Builder, you do a good job, I pay your cash.
4: <laughs> now that that accent, uh, not so much. Your, your, your Germans are up, but your Italian, it's, sort of, it's getting a bit Asian,
3: I think. <sighs> okay, I'll just <laughs> shut up. <laughs>
0: Uh, feel free to discuss this segment because I'm staying out of it. I've said too much.
3: <laughs> I know that Uncle Alberto's house was a bit of a uh, landmark. A lot of people knew where it was in Melbourne and would do a drive-by, a sneaky <laughs> drive-by. Oh, that's hilarious. It, it's, a,
6: it's a unique sort of house. I, I remember houses um, of a similar type being built around Adelaide by, um, you know, Italians and Greeks and so forth, who who'd suddenly made enough money to build that kind of house. But, you know, getting to see inside these houses is, it, it feels like a real privilege and, and an entry into a very weird world that, you know, I mean, the audience absolutely seem to be killing themselves laughing at, at the various features of Uncle Alberto's house. So, you know, the the lounge suite and the rotating light and, and the onyx table, it's an onyx. Yeah. Greater and set. higher than marble. Yeah, greater and higher <laughs> than marble.
4: It's a set, completely. Yeah.
6: Yeah, yes, yeah. Complete. and, and it's balustrade. It's a bal- balustrade made from a concrete, uh, uh, yeah. and it was painted with
7: painted with a wood finish. This uh, concrete wood finish. That was like, very the wood yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. A, I actually
7: wood googled finish. the the guy that he said did the ceiling in the house, and it seems like it is actually a, a real guy. Has anyone found some information? Apparently, there was a, he passed away in 2011 or thereabouts. Ah, oh, bummer
0: mm-hmm. I was going to ask if he's still kicking.
4: Hopefully that means that his, uh, his uh, ceiling uh, painting uh, has gone up in value. Yeah. I mean, you know,
6: I imagine there's a preservation order on that ceiling now. You know, the National trust <laughs> <laughs> Because it, it's a sort of Australian Michelangelo.
0: <laughs> yeah, as they tour the whole house, uh, you also saw the cart that uh, tells the story from the opera of Wogs Can't Harness Race. <laughs> And, but this part, which was cut from the DVD, yeah. or the Best Of, which uh, shows, well, Santo goes to wrap up this segment, but his mic cuts out, so they hand him the wireless mic, and Santo goes, oh, by the way, Uncle Alberto is in the audience, and as he stands up to say hello, and then the English subtitles say hello as well, and Santo says, join him next week on Understanding Logs for the topic... Hysteria and Associated Mental Disorders, a.k.a. the arrival date at the Italia Terminal.
3: Yeah. It was a shame there was those um, audio glitches because I think the gag was that Uncle Alberto was in the audience in, you know, Franco Cozzo-style furniture (laughs) sitting (laughs) in this typical wog chair. Do do you want to know Franco Cozzo, by the way?
4: Yeah, I was I was wondering how long it was going to take uh, un- until Franco was mentioned. I mean, I'm, I'm in Adelaide, and Franco <laughs> was nowhere near here, and I know who he is.
3: Yeah. Oh, grand yeah. Grandesire, grandesire, grand Yeah. Iconic <laughs> ad for you all to look up on YouTube, Franco Cotso.
0: The foot is grey.
6: <laughs> yeah. I, a couple of years ago, I, I was in Melbourne and, and I actually went out to Fo- Footscray Station to meet a friend, and you could see a big Franco Cotso sign. I was like, "Oh my God, it's
3: Franco Cotso!" <laughs> <laughs> well,
5: I don't think he still has his. The sign's definitely there, but I think he only has his Brunswick store now. There's still yeah. one, but yeah, because I always thought it was not it was north of Melbourne and Footscray, but. He went to Brunswick pretty early. I don't think he was in North Melbourne for too long.
0: What, what are, there was others as well, like speaking of iconic ad salesmen and stuff, because there's also Frank Walker from National Tiles. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and up in Queensland, there's um, Stefan, who uh, doesn't really have a catchphrase, but he's a well-known hairdresser and he pretty much owns everything, including the Sky Needle. Up in Brisbane as well, so all these iconic people shows you that how well advertising works if you just get the right catchphrase or repetitiveness of your commercial of Putus they and yeah, and,
3: or having and, the ugliest furniture in the world to sell yeah. that might also get. <laughs> you.
0: And King Bruce has gone mad. Ken Bruce has gone mad just to throw him in. Yeah. So
6: and and just, just for um, Adelaide residents, I'll just mention the the name Bob Moran and not say anything more.
5: <laughs> but the the 80s and 90s really was a golden age of shonky furniture guys so melbourne had a whole range of them that they would pop up on advertising and so on i mean i'm not sure how national stan cash the tin shed cowboy was
4: but he was <laughs> yeah. one
5: of the ones out there for quite a while
4: he he does turn up in one of the later commercial crime stoppers i think but apart from that no idea <laughs>
3: He was like the first $2 shop guy before that was a thing.
0: Yeah, he was good with the bargains. After uh, understanding Wogs is Countdown Classics with Jane and Tom. That's come back because it wasn't in last week. And yeah. the topic is how drugs affect performances. So they showed little clips of Stevie Wright. Well, That's obvious. Bon Scott from Akadaka as well. Yep. And Robin Gibb from the Bee Gees. So they showed the clip from... Uh, originally from episode one, where he was walking out of the building and stumbled on that stair, and then they showed an interview <laughs> interview with uh, uh, with the other Gib brother. Um, who's it, it was Morris That's Barry? it, well, it might have been Barry. Um, but they were having a chat, and then you just see Robin's head just poke into the side of the camera. <laughs> it's like hello.
3: <laughs> that was also- great countdown classics, don't you think?
0: I it was great. Yeah. (laughs) Like I love the way uh,
3: Jade and Tom are reading their scripts from their clipboards. It's like they obviously did so much filming on location and stuff that week that they ran out of time to actually learn the script or maybe the script was just written like hours before or something.
0: Well, that's where they mentioned like other than Vicky D, well, they were blaming Vicky D uh, being on drugs because of what she was wearing on her performance. It was Tom who says, oh, is it my line? So, yeah, obviously yeah. he was they were just <laughs> ad living as they went or just making up the script as they went. So uh someone who didn't drink in moderation, Joe Cocker, and, yeah, as he's saying, <laughs> he had the mic feedback. Now, I, I'm not sure if that was them adding the mic feedback to it or not, so I'd love to find the original footage. Yeah, okay. yeah I don't
3: know.
0: But it made a great little audio joke, that's for sure.
4: And of anyway, course, it wouldn't it wouldn't be Countdown classics if we didn't have footage of uh, Molly from that hundredth show. That that seems to have just come by again and again and again.
0: Yeah, they did that in the first episode.
5: It's the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> <Yes.
4: Damn. laughs> yep. I think well, I, I think may, it, uh, might, it might also speak to the fact that at the time there wasn't that much footage of uh, Countdown in existence. Because I, I don't think it was until maybe the mid 90s that more surfaced. Yeah. I mean, certainly it was the late 90s that started to show up and rage.
3: One of my favorite lines from this is um, when Tom says he's drunk freely from the rock and roll flag. Yeah, <laughs> I love that
0: line. Yes. Craig Tigwell from Taringa up in Queensland I requested the Iggy Pop Molly Meldrum interview, which everyone knows oh, it's oh, so yes, iconic. Who no, are you, dollface? Brilliant.
7: It's just like a spring that you just can't keep still—an elastic Will you concentrate?
4: <laughs> it is such an, an iconic piece of footage, and thankfully, it's it's also up officially on YouTube if you want to have a look at it.
3: I remember, though, having kind of mixed feelings about Countdown Classics a bit because they would always play bits of music that I was really into at the time. It's a little bit like my kids now are totally into 90s music. I was totally into 70s music, so. When Iggy Pop comes out singing "Chairman of the Board," I'm thinking this is the greatest thing of all time. Like, I love this. I don't give a shit if he's off his face.
0: Yeah, one, one generation <laughs> craves countdown; the other generation of craves recovery repeats. <laughs> exactly. After um, countdown classics is. Mom! Yeah, <laughs> Yay! yeah. Took five for that. weeks, but we got there. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> So That was a trigger for The Olden Days, Episode 5, Incident at Front Bottoms, with pseudo-echo Funky Town playing in the background.
7: We're trying to teach our cockatiel to sing that. Uh (laughs) So every few minutes my partner's going...
1: He's not having
6: any of it. I just love the way that, you know, having that music there where it's obviously set in the 1850s and there's all these people in 1850s outfits. And, you know, they just... I love the way they just don't care what the time period is and they'll throw in references to like stuff from the seventies, like the little river band and Brian Mannix. Yeah. you know, it, it's a costume drama. So <laughs> I just love the fact that they don't care.
3: There was some great lines in that first part where they're in the, in the, whatever it was, the, the incident at Front Bottoms. Yeah. Front with, bottoms this, this <laughs> yeah with the, guy going oh wasn't that guy in rush oh no no i don't know no, so. no, i don't think so <laughs> <laughs> but he was in play school of <laughs> and then when he's about to leave he goes i'll be back for that leg over
0: yeah now <laughs> I, I, I noticed there there was a joke cut out from the olden days full version that we all know like the compilation uh and the one which is available right now on dvd
4: and digital That's yes
0: yes indeed yeah the joke cut out right after the Colonial Theme, theme Nights uh, reference. And and this is what I will quote here. It was only two lines because they're saying, oh, you know, it's cut out um, after Colonial Theme Nights. The woman says, oh, and which nights are they? And Maguire goes, oh, every bloody night, unfortunately. So those two lines were removed. Okay, oh so that doesn't make any
3: sense.
0: I believe it was in regards to uh, the recurring theme nights that were happening at front bottoms and because the colonial theme nights are so repetitive. When you watch it again, it will make sense in the context of as you play it, but saying it out loud now doesn't make sense.
1: (laughs) Sort of like
4: it was a joke that was repeated a bit later on. Is that what you mean? So it was a bit redundant?
0: Well, it was like uh, another exit out of a joke. So you know how you can say a joke or one line of thing and then you can add on to it? Then I'd say that they... Tony may have gotten rid of that because it could have it was just, just ended unnecessary. It there. Yeah, it was an unnecessary add-on joke. Yeah. After that, you go to the was it the guy in the tent at the, at the bar and he uh, wanted to pay with his for his grog with a napkin full of kitty litter.
1: <laughs> yeah, is
6: it's the way that Santo says it, look what I've got, a napkin full of kitty litter. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> and it also do you notice that um they they call the waitress barjas, which yeah. is <laughs> A foretelling of
3: of our glorious yeah. And the guy who they're taking the piss out of in the ridiculous jacket—like that jacket is ridiculous for a period costume drama. Yeah. Like he looks like he's wearing a nineteen-sixties tweed sports coat. It's yeah, worst jacket of all time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
4: The the guy getting speared was was pretty good. I'm so yeah. I'm so drunk that I wouldn't know if someone chucked a spear through me. Yeah. Right. Well,
5: the yeah. thing that got the thing that got me with that is the guy gets speared, and just the footage—he falls over dead, and his two mates just kind of wander off. I don't <laughs> yeah. know how that would have worked in a drama in any way—they just kind of leave.
0: Yeah, in the original <laughs> context, yeah, that would be interesting. Hurry up, ABC, release Rush. <laughs> Even if it's just like best bits, either way, just. Get it out there, because we do want to see that. The next segment being couch mode with Tony and Mick. And uh then they start referring to El McPherson calendar again. You know, this one. I
2: don't have to step out of myself.
0: Anyway, I won't <laughs> play the rest of that. <laughs> oh, uh yeah. I think
6: you could just drop that sentence, I, I just want to get out of myself just randomly throughout the
1: episode.
0: <laughs> 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 Done. Stay tuned. So, uh, and yeah. this gives uh, Mick the opportunity to show his uh, 1993 Mick calendar.
5: This was really yeah. interesting. I thought because it was was this the first time that they really played up Mick as the beer swilling slob, kind of tab dwelling kind of comedy character.
3: Maybe, yeah.
6: I think it's so. Yeah. Early incarnation of because there were sort of hints of it in previous like um, you know uh, sketches, but. But, yeah, I think you're right, Tony.
5: Because it, it's yeah. sort of, I mean, you're so used to it now. It's been, what, 30, 30 years of Mick Malloy as, you know, Australia's favourite drunk. But, yeah, <laughs> it just sort of seeing it for the first time or really early on, they really had it sort of sorted out that Mick's hobbies were hanging around the TAB, Winnie Blues,
0: I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
3: It was amusing. Um mick sort of dropping the old snag reference. Like I hadn't heard that
7: <laughs> reference for 28 years. Yeah, it was very 90s. It. He said <laughs> he actually said it was the sensitive new age um he didn't actually say guy, did he? He said um gentleman man, man that's right. Nam. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> well you we had January with Mick with an open shirt in front of a fountain, sexy as. Uh, Feb-
6: that, that is the National Gallery of Victoria's fountain. If you yes. go to the mm-hmm. gallery of Victoria's fountains outside, I know this.
0: A very
5: sexy locale.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. February had Mick having a bet at the TAB. March had Mick going for a roo shoot.
7: And the, except there weren't any roos and they had to shoot horses and a platypus. Oh.
4: And then, and then Tony gets to feed uh, mix the next line with that that lovely feeder line. But what have you got in store for the ladies come April?
7: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I love how Tony leads into those different months. Oh, what do you for? What have you got? Re June. (laughs) April was uh, getting a breath test, and there's a bottle of VB right next to him as well, which is quite amusing. And uh, May was reflective Mick, who was lining a fart. Um, Uh, And June, can't show you June because we're a national TV show and that photo's been
4: banned in three states. Yeah, yeah, they've run out of ideas anyway. Five was enough.
0: But there was a subtle reference to a gerbil in there.
4: Oh, I missed
0: that one. Yep. Tony goes, oh, something about gerbil.
6: <laughs> and they never actually released this calendar because I reckon by the time, you know, the end of the year came around, probably people would have bought Mick 93 because there were yeah. so many. No. For
0: sure. And the calendar is out at ABC shops.
2: <laughs> it wasn't, alas. <laughs> uh, it was out
0: at what's new sitting next to the L calendar.
2: I don't have to step out of myself. <laughs>
4: He also says that the calendar is just perfect for Mother's Day, which I think is a great
0: line too. So the next bit is a story sketch, which is about all about Vietnam, the aftermath, and starred the producer Mark Gibson. And it's all about uh, men telling piss week stories about their experience with Vietnam. It's
5: kind oh. of weird. It was weird watching it now, because I remember in the 80s and 90s, Vietnam was a very ripe topic for comedy. There was a lot of jokes about vets having flashbacks and so on and so forth which I'm pretty sure you wouldn't try to do now
6: oh no no this is this is very much like of a time when you know you were allowed to sort of take the piss out of war veterans and you know basically in the last 20 years it's completely flipped you know because basically in the in the 80s and 90s the only people who ever really went to Anzac Day were were sort of people who had a connection to like the war and, you know, the idea of of ordinary people with no war heritage at all going was, was just a weird thing to do. But John Howard completely changed that.
1: Yes.
5: And there was sort of as well. I mean, I think the idea was Vietnam was in the past, didn't affect that many people. Vets were crazy old guys anyway, sort of thing. Whereas now there's sort of this, even though the wars that we've been in since then have been smaller, there's much more reverence for the people who fought in them.
3: Yeah. But the joke with this is that they're kind of not struggling with PTSD at all. Well, apart from the performance from Mark Gibson, which I was wondering who that was because I didn't. Uh, it's,
4: It's not actually Mark Gibson, I should say. Oh, I thought it was. No, it's uh David Campbell who uh, uh yeah he's he's listed in the sketch as Private David Campbell but um sorry David Cameron I should say rather uh David Cameron as uh, Private David Campbell. Yeah, uh David Cameron is best known for <laughs> Mad Max? Yeah, right. He was the the
3: mechanic? Oh, okay. no.
0: Ah, okay. Well, that because was, um Bruce Spence. The guy who well quote, played Mark Gibson. Unquote, because he appears in a future episode doing uh, the street talk with uh, Mick and Tony. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's that same person anyway. Whoever that person is,
3: well, he was really good. I mean, he he was the one who seemed like he had a mental illness. So I I thought the whole line, "I hear voices when I answer the telephone," (laughs) that was pretty funny.
5: He was a bit too good for the sketch. I thought he
3: was. Yeah, you
5: you kind of needed. the rest of the guys just being sort of broad and silly to kind of make that material work.
3: Because that's right, yeah, because the other, the other guys were just sort of being really kind of, that just was silly jokes, weren't they? It's like, yeah. what are we doing here? We're not even, we didn't even go to Vietnam, you know, that kind of vibe.
4: And, yeah, meanwhile, David Cameron's doing your proper acting.
3: <laughs> yeah, it was definitely great acting.
4: Yeah.
6: Yeah, and, and his bits are less funny because he doesn't quite know how to deliver the gag but he is he is very good at, at making it feel real. So it's a sort of, I, I like this sketch. Um, you couldn't do this sketch now because, you know, people are too reverent about war veterans, but I think it's a really, really good sketch for the 90s. But the only thing about it is is—is the so, sort of slightly different tones in the performances, which means it doesn't quite work.
5: Yes, it's hard to figure out exactly what the joke is because you've got those different sort of tones in the performances. It's... Are these is the joke? These guys are you know Vietnam vets or guys who weren't Vietnam vets, you know, acting like they were, or people wondering why they're being asked about Vietnam. It's it's sort of a little hard to figure out what the point is, even if every joke
3: is good. Yeah, yeah. Like the last joke. Could you imagine the soundtrack if Ward broke out today? (laughs) Jason, (laughs) Kylie, Ross, like that's Rick Astley. (laughs)
6: If if it, if war broke out right now to just be solid Ed Sheeran, I think wouldn't it?
7: Oh, that would cause a war.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, Ed Sheeran, Pink, Selena Gomez, Amy Shark, somewhere in there. The next segment being uh, how to run your own video shop with Tony, and this was uh, requested or quite requested by Mister Jeffrey Eddleston of New South Wales. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so uh, for everyone who... Oh, I won't even bother who explaining who Jeffrey Edelston is, but yeah, as you were. And uh, so Tony uh, gave, gave a couple of suggestions, such as uh, you got to think of a pathetic name for a store, mainly a pun-type name, such as Close Encounters of the VHS kind. Ooh, now, yeah, we're in VHS to- territory here, so <laughs> no DVDs or anything else like that. Uh, posters for films uh, that won't be... Around for a few months, such as now. This is 1992. You had Cape Fear, Basic Instinct, Batman Returns, and it usually was All like good yeah, back in the day, it would be wouldn't it be like about nine months before or nearly a year before it goes from cinema to VHS? You, do you
5: really want me to explain this in depth?
0: Please go on. Go on.
5: This is my sole area of expertise. There is a there's a range of um, windows. You have a theatrical window, which is the movies on in cinemas. The home distribution window used to, it it used to go, and it would have gone when they did The Late Show, movies, then pay TV, then DVD or VHS back then, then regular free-to-air television. Those windows have moved around a lot and there's a lot of, drama about moving them even more today with streaming and and movies bypassing cinemas. But, yeah, back then it was about six months, around six months from something being on at the cinemas before you could get it on VHS. If it was successful, if it was a crap movie, got kicked out of the cinemas early, you might see it sooner. But there, there was quite a wait.
0: I remember a couple of years ago. You remember the movie Australia with Nicole Kidman and Hugh Jackman? Do I? Yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> I do remember, and this is when Blockbuster was still existing, that it was still in the cinema or had just, I think, maybe finished about a week or two after the cinemas. And when I went to my local Blockbuster to rent out something, I think it was Repo Men or something like that. And they had advertising Australia about to come out on, you know, for rent in like a, a week's time or whatever. I thought, wow, that window is so goddamn small. And what happened?
5: what happened with Australia and some of those other films, they stayed a longer in cinemas. Like there's a point beyond which the, the, the timer starts ticking. So if your movie like smaller movies now will sit in a cinema, you know, sometimes the, the Nova in Melbourne perhaps will show Parasite for nine months. They'll keep it on in a cinema just because people keep going. But that, after a certain point, that doesn't matter. It's coming out on home release, even if it's still going in cinemas. And you used to get a few times films would really, they would stick around in cinemas and then there'd be like a very short break between them leaving cinemas and coming out just because they'd been on in cinemas so long.
0: Okay, that will explain a lot. And it's to capitalise on the whole you know, advertising to make it cheap instead of re-advertising it all over again, right?
5: Well, what happens is they, the home distribution places, which is now streaming, get a bit shirty because they want to, they want to have a, a separate experience. But the studios want to try and pack everything as close together as they can to maximise their advertising spend. Whereas if you movie six months later, you got to advertise it again. So they want to close that gap. Whereas the people, the theatres, want it as long as possible so they can keep showing the movie, making their money. And, yeah, so there's a, there's a bunch of groups in conflict.
0: As an example, like current day, uh, Bill and Ted. So overseas, it's available to stream pretty much online straight away, but in Australia, because we're yes. somewhat lucky with what's going on with corona crap, um, you could see it at the cinemas in certain areas. Now, someone such as myself wanted to watch it on streaming, but I can't because it's available in the cinema, but it's available on streaming straight away over there, how will that be the turnaround time for DVD release, because I know in December it comes out on DVD.
5: Well, what would have happened in that case, because Bill and Ted Face the Music was out through Madman, who have their own DVD label. They release movies to cinemas and release them on DVD. They would have gone, we're going with cinema with this one and then DVD in three months. But that's the traditional way. But the distributors overseas decided to go with putting it on streaming right away. That I don't think would have had any effect on the DVD release. The DVD release overseas would still be, if it came out on DVD at all, would still be the three months away. What what they want to do at the moment, what the a lot of kerfuffle is about, is that the distrib- um, movie studios want to be able to put their movies straight onto streaming because cinemas are not open everywhere and there's money to be made on streaming.
0: Okay, that, that makes a lot more sense now. Anyway,
5: I could go on.
0: Yep, sorry, I I, hide you. <laughs> I apologize for hijacking this segment. <laughs> so
5: anyway, the, the moral of the story is that 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 wait, yeah, I remember the wait. You go to the video store. They had the posters up for stuff that was in cinemas and yeah, you you had the wait.
3: Uh, I like the uh line old blokes in raincoats in the beta section. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, the CD beta yeah. section, yeah. <laughs> well that was the
5: misdirect, wasn't it? Because those video stores always had the the CD section up the back that was the various mildly sexy videos. And you thought that was where he was going. And then he said, Oh no, it's the beta section.
4: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I should probably mention at the moment uh, that I I spent probably about a year working in a DVD uh, rental store. Ooh. Uh in about what was it, two thousand and early two thousands? The golden well, yeah, basically VHS had gone away, and it was just DVDs. It was this uh, store in Rundle Street in the city uh, called Express DVD, and uh, yeah, we 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 did have a section which had a bit of sort of softcore core movies. Um, obviously, yeah, considering we're not camera, we couldn't sell anything harder. But you know, anything uh, you know, anytime anybody asked, you know, have you got any pornos? I'd go, <laughs>
3: yeah, you know, it's over there. It's not that good. <laughs> Bikini shop, go for your life. There's seventy. Yeah.
6: How, how many? How many copies of Bikini Shop did you have in the store, Daniel?
4: <laughs> I, I don't. Yeah, I don't think it made it to DVD either,
6: Tony. No. Oh, that's a shame, isn't it? Um, Tony and I were talking um before we got on off air. We had a conversation about Bikini Shop, and and as I
5: recall, as we often do,
6: as as you and I are just constantly talking about Bikini Shop. And the plot of Bikini Shop, as I remember it, is basically a bunch of young guys start up um, a shop that sells bikinis, but they they only do this because they want to see women in the change rooms changing into the bikinis. So they install two-way mirrors so they can watch all these women trying on bikinis. And that's basically the plot of the film. I don't know if you have anything. I (laughs) I
5: don't even know if they set up the shop. I thought they inherited the shop.
6: Yeah, maybe that. They came to be running a bikini shop anyway. Is is the plot? I can't remember why.
0: Stars are the legendary Bruce Greenwood. Yeah, there's one for his C- CV. That's for sure. Yeah, and it's available on DVD on demand. Oh,
4: uh, there we go. Somebody, somebody's going go to go and burn her off for
0: you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Delete history. Done.
1: <laughs> and yeah,
4: that's a, anyway.
1: that's, that, that sort of
4: thing. S- setting up a, a business where you spy on women changing. I mean, that's that's a that's a crime at any other time except for um, except for when the movie came out. Yeah, yeah.
6: In, in the late eighties, there were a lot of films where, where the plot was basically young guys want to see women in the nude, so they come up with a way of of you know seeing them in change rooms or or whatever. And you know, this is this is decades before Me Too. And you know, people just thought, oh, isn't this funny? You know, these young guys are coming up with these crazy schemes to see nude women. And when you look back on it, you realize how incredibly creepy that is.
5: Well, I think at the time we were somewhat, as a young man, when these films were being made, we were fairly aware that these were not quality projects. I always remember (laughs) the, the, the best one was the one where the guy actually died but the advantage of being a ghost was that he could now ghostly haunt women's changing rooms.
7: <laughs> there should have been a whole section of the, um, the video shop of just movies where guys snoop on ladies in changing rooms.
5: There was. It was oh. the comedy section.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow.
5: Wow. The, the, the comedy section, like, and, and as Tony points out in this sketch, the comedy section in the 90s, no one had made a funny movie in a decade and a half going by what most video stores had on their shelves.
3: I enjoyed the way um, Tony said, nobody leaves this sketch empty-handed and he's giving all his castmates <laughs> a, a snake.
0: A snake, yes. If <laughs> Celebrity stooge Philip Brady comes in to sign up to the store. They have to try and make it really hard to sign up, so you have to have a driver's licence, a copy of your grandmother's birth certificate initialed by... JP, King George V mantelpiece from Ancestral Home in the Welsh Highlands. And <laughs> Philip did ask, uh, do you want or mahogany? And Tony said, I prefer ironbark. <laughs>
3: yeah, that was great. It was so elaborate. And then Philip Brady carries in a mantelpiece.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it was,
3: it was, I, I think Tony I was on it. fire
6: on this episode. Yeah. I, yeah, I love the bit where he finally gets his laminated card and there's, like, the most enormous flame possible emerging. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and again, Aaron goes, goes, hot card, hot card. <laughs> hot, card. Yeah, hot card, hot card. But, yeah. but the flame, of course, is the work of Aaron Beaucaire, who we will see a bit later in the program.
1: Yes.
3: And I love the way Tony signed off with send your Logie forms in now. <laughs> <laughs> Still a Brady performance.
4: One of the things that happened when I was uh, working in the DVD rental shop and I was reminded of this by my, uh, my brother, Ross. Hi, if you're listening. Uh, no relation to Ross Warnick. He was very pissed off when, when we were saying bad things about Ross Warnick and, and we were saying, you know, Ross said this, Ross said that, and he was going, say his surname. <laughs> 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 Anyhow, Ross, Ross reminded me of this because he was in the shop as well, um, browsing because we could get, you know, free rentals, obviously. Uh, we, we had a, a customer come into the shop um, to return a copy of Passion of the Christ. Uh, complaining that um, uh, it was all in, in a foreign language. It wasn't in English. Oh, God.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly.
4: Yes. The point is that it's all in ancient Aramaic. Mm-hmm. So we, we did have, have to break it to him that, no, that's the way that it's, it's meant to be. We don't have an English version, unfortunately. Uh, um, and at this point, I also want to invoke the, uh, the late, great Richard Marsland. Uh, there's no Easter eggs on that DVD of uh, Passion of the Christ. <laughs> nice very good very good uh, you deserve uh, an applause too.
0: for that daniel <laughs>
4: uh, no no we uh, should can have it all he definitely deserves it with that one <laughs>
0: nice all right the next segment being commercial crime stoppers with mick and santo and they make an apology for saying sportsmen are the most annoying people on late night tv from last time uh, they were wrong. It was actually people pretending to be sportsmen and cue the commercial of uh, Ray Masaro Motors from in Gippsland uh, in AFL uniform. They're still mm, the, operating too.
7: And the deals are so good, mm. they're reportable. <laughs>
0: <Yes>. <laughs> Santo shows Mick his greatest all-time Aussie rules team while they were in discussion with that commercial was running. And uh, they showed some of the players from... <laughs> Mazzaro uh, Motors. Yeah. Yeah. That was a the, visual the joke.
4: A, the athletes that they are, that um, I'm amazed that those uh, football jerseys could stay on them. Oh. Yeah, they're
6: quite large gentlemen, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> yes,
0: yes. And also the thigh... Bl- oh, my favourite. Thigh blaster. blaster, Thunder Thighs.
7: That's the best. Yes. Beware, the following ad contains acid-washed wash jeans, a Groucho Marx face and the pissiest wolf whistle you've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs>
3: And all of those things are so true. It's like tick, tick, tick as you watch it.
0: Unfortunately, <laughs> I don't have the audio of thunder thighs, but I'll prepare thunder that. For thighs. Yes, thunder thighs. Oh,
4: surely, surely you could you had... could drop the grab into uh, into the podcast and prose production here. Thunder
0: thighs. Yes, there we go. Everyone, applause. Yes. Yay! <laughs>
4: <laughs> and if we did
7: have um, video, we would have a big wide screen. <laughs> Thunders <laughs> <was> The <thinking>,
5: yeah. <laughs> <Or> widest screen <laughs>
0: yeah, Nice And then they also bring back uh, Mr. Football Ted Witten uh, With a right of reply from last week as well oh, Cool and teddy Yeah
3: But I think you forgot to mention that the greatest thing about the thigh blaster mm. is the The far oh, eastern flimsy Of
0: course, yes, the far <laughs> eastern flimsy And then they bring that back in later on in the show too <laughs>
7: That's why they have thunder thighs. Yes. Yeah. They're using the Far Eastern flimsy, which is. Oh no! Not the Far Eastern flimsy. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm sure for you, you were also saying that at school. Yes. Quite frequently.
0: <laughs> the next segment is now. This is where the teaser came in. Green door, just what's going on in there? And that is toilet break with the Thor Kingsman. Doing Green Door. Now, Tony refers to, you know, the Four Kingsmen, which one uh, was dating or married to Fairly Arrow, and he was saying that it might have been the Mustachio one. The one that looks like Ian Serpy. Yes. Okay, well, this is where I dove into the Four Kingsmen rabbit hole and my YouTube (laughs) YouTube suggestions are now dominated with Four Kingsmen stuff. So, uh, now... I really had to dive into the Fairly Arrow stuff too. And uh, you know what? I'm based on the Gold Coast. Yeah, there we go. Ooh. And <laughs> I am not far. I am down the motorway from the actual town and country motel where Fairly Arrow hit out. So, uh-huh. yeah. Every time we drove past it, I go, yeah, that's Fairly Arrow theme park. So now <laughs> <laughs> we've got, now George Harvey was married to Fairly, and the mustache guy was Spencer Whiteley. So, the People who actually starred in that clip were George Fay, who's unfortunately deceased, Peter Fay, Spencer, and uh, Adrian Mahoney. Um, now, they were in the clip, but not the person who was married to Fairley.
3: So, like, I don't understand. Is this another clip from the Saturday show? Like, who were the four kinsmen when they were at home? Never heard of them.
4: It's, it's certainly from something very
6: pissy and ABC-like. How would they get the rights to something that wasn't ABC? It,
0: it must be ABC. Now, the clip uh, that they showed was actually from a uh, Four Kingsmen special that was shown on the ABC.
4: Ah.
0: Uh, because <laughs> it also mashes in with...
3: There was, there was a whole hour of this? Oh. Like, why? Who are they and why? <laughs> this is insane.
0: Yeah, well, that it also mashed in with... The Peter Gunn theme and there's a big song and dance routine as well so it actually the version that they showed was even longer and it was from a 1979 mm-hmm. ABC TV special Just The Way We Are oh,
1: no. and,
4: uh, Okay gee I, I wonder what Billy Joel song they would have sung in that one, yes
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> They were just such <laughs> blokes, I, I'm sorry I know you're probably going to have to bleep that out but good lord it was such a creepy experience, and then they're sort of creepily backing away through this <laughs> green door, like. Ugh.
0: Well, there was ten members out of the whole lifetime of it, so from 1962 all the way up to 2002.
1: Yeah. Wow! Yeah, wow. ten kinsmen.
0: Three of them have passed away. There's a website, the dot So if you <laughs> want to check that out, but
3: like I just I know I'm happy on about this, but I don't understand it. They've just mashed up two cover versions of two shitty songs, Peter Gunn theme and What's the Behind the Green Door by Shaken Stevens. It's like, who are they and why do we care? Like, what are they? Are they the wiggles for middle aged people in the 70s? I just don't understand who they are.
5: There used to be quite a big market for like oldies taking on popular songs, like older folk having current music interpreted for them. And then you sort of <laughs> had these guys who would be doing these sort of weird mashups and you were just left thinking, this is for older people? <laughs> yeah,
7: well, I'm, sure the, I'm sure the DGEN had the same feelings as, as we do now because of the uh, cop killer sketch, which we'll see later on. Yes. But, yeah.
1: yeah,
4: Definitely. See, uh, well, see I, I think, I think the, the Four Kinsmen are sort of, they're one of... A couple of groups I can think of that are sort of just mainly entertainers—they're probably only known around one area. The name Wickedy Whack comes to mind. Oh. I know, yeah. I know, they're, they're not around anymore since one of them passed away as well. I can't, I can't think of an Adelaide equivalent. Maybe Chunky Custard? Maybe they were like a party band. <laughs> Chunky custard.
0: Chunky custard. Yeah, yeah.
4: I'm, I think I think I think named from the the product um, that was advertised in Australia. Uh, you're standing in I think.
0: Yeah, that sounds um, like but it. But
4: like, but like, it's sort of like these sort of party based entertainers, and they sort of they've they've got a you know a general act which you know obviously goes well on TV as well.
0: And the lucrative theatre restaurant circuit. Ah, uh,
4: yes. Yeah, <laughs> there used
6: to be. this This whole big circuit of, like, sort of cabaret clubs where you could go, where, like, sort of middle-aged people would go and they would sort of wine and dine and then there would be a cabaret act and you'd you'd have acts like the Four Kinsmen would be on it. Um, But what what I love about this particular performance is, you know, they haven't just, they're not just sort of performing Green Door and the Peter Gunn theme. They're also kind of nicking a load of choreography from ABBA, you know, all (laughs) that head turning at, at various points you know and it's it's a really really weird sort of piece conceptually i suppose i just mm. i don't know where this is coming from but i can also imagine this being quite popular with a very middle of the road kind of early saturday night
4: audience
0: well i'm yeah. just grabbing something randomly from one of their performances in 1988 they were the headlining act at conrad jupiter's casino now known as The Star. There we go. Uh,
4: Casinos. And, yep. and casino. uh, It's always a casino.
0: Yep. Uh, so they're all doing a production show called Stars uh, and the main Australian entertainers for the Miss World pageant, beamed worldwide live by satellite from Jupiter's Casino and hosted by Florence Henderson. Wow.
1: <laughs>
0: there was also something from 1984 with Rolf Harris, but I will leave that one alone. Yeah, let's that. Yeah. yeah, they've had a, quite a distinct CV, So, from ranging from Graham Kennedy in Melbourne tonight, all the way up to their final tour in 2002, where they performed a sell-out uh, final tour uh, around Australia, and the Gala Farewell Concert was held at the Star City Casino in August 2002. There we go. Well, Casino They again.
3: meant nothing to me as a teenager in the 90s, and they mean nothing to me now in my mid 40s.
0: <laughs> so, the, the song Cop Killer didn't do it for you? You know, the one that they claim they never it's... released?
3: <laughs> oh, no, that's a winner. That's absolutely gold medal winning.
0: Everyone, you'll get that joke next podcast. Trust me.
3: <laughs>
0: yep. So uh, after the toilet break, all right. So uh, the news desk update with uh, further evidence prisoners in, oh, now now we go back to war stuff and everything else. The prisoners (laughs) in Serbian camp are subject to inhumane treatment, which uh, they're forced to listen to.
1: (laughs) Just what's going on in (laughs) there?
0: George Bush uh, dismisses allegations he slept with his wife again with the grabs sick, untrue and alive of Barbara Bush saying that which was you know somewhat taken out of context. With that, uh, there was Israeli archaeologists uncover evidence of the world's oldest Jewish joke which they've cut to <laughs> a bit of a group of men with a scroll uh, saying two Jewish men walked into a bar, dot, dot, dot. That was very visual, yeah. No comment? All right, moving on. No, sorry. <laughs> now, this one's a bit awkward. The Sydney court heard that a seven-year-old boy, uh, part of the, quote, children of God sect, uh, exposed to uh, group coitus. Parents of the boy denies the story and uh, claimed that, that he didn't know he was watching Chances. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so... <laughs> Yes. Yeah, and
7: then uh, Tom just said uh, why do I feel like I'm hosting the Logies here because of the uh, mixed reception or like thereof? Yeah
0: it was really awkward yeah and chances which uh, funny enough was uh, ended up being produced by Brendan Lunny who is Governor Frontbottom.
4: Just also uh, speaking of chances because uh, I, I just I had to pull this up because it got mentioned on the website TV tonight as a Friday flashback. And you, you don't realise how bonkers the, the series actually was. So to speak. Oh. Well, um, David Knox uh, writes that the project had originally been a telemoving pilot that sat on the show for several years before, he, before being dusted off and sexed up with nudity. Jeremy Simms' bare buttocks became more widely recognised than the show itself. Eventually, Nine cut the show from two hours to one hour a week, trimming cast and moving to a late slot. Then he writes... The writers went all out incorporating Asian triads, ghosts, an angel on a Harley Davidson motorcycle, and an Egyptian sun goddess, laser-wielding vampires, man-eating plants, and neo-Nazis hunting valuable Third Reich artifacts. Everything but the kitchen sink in this thing.
3: Wow! I reckon I'm going to watch it. You see, I, it
5: yeah. sounds good, but I remember watching some of it and. Yeah, it sounds good and then you watch it and it's an Australian late-night drama from the mid-'90s
0: and, yeah, it's
3: it's, it's a good idea. I did try and watch it at the time and it was just unwatchable. It was terrible.
0: Yeah, well, other than Jeremy Sims in it, you had Michael Caton in it as well and Kate Lambrook, who showed her Norgs. Or, or <laughs> is is it Norgs? Norgs, yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs>
4: <laughs> and according to this, 126 episodes were produced by Beyond Productions I'm surprised that it hasn't made its way onto one of the uh, TV catch up services, like how you can watch all of a country practice or a blue or blue healers. Wouldn't it be something if you could watch all of Chances online?
0: Well, I actually owned at one stage until I sold them for a nice penny on eBay uh, Chances Volume One and Two uh, on DVD and oh god it made it onto dvd but like it was a best of so um you had okay. vol- volume one had episode 97 all the way to 104 and volume two had episodes 116 117 121 and skipped all the way to 126 so uh yeah just it's full <laughs> of cheese continuity was not at strong point no <laughs>
3: yeah just all the bits with the egyptian sun god in it
0: yeah, so other than that, authorities in Queensland are cracking down on shops selling dodgy souvenirs, such as koala toys made in Korea, and Q, a uh, really dodgy koala, I won't say what it looked like. Yes. Yeah, it's so-
1: something
4: to do with joke. its eyes, were, its, its eyes were not a certain shape. Yeah, very, very dumb joke.
1: But moving on.
0: Yep, moving but yeah, moving on. Yeah, let's move on. Uh, US rapper Ice-T was in Australia with controversy about his single cop killer, Tony impersonating Ice-T on the phone. And, uh, yeah, that...
3: Was it Tony? I actually want, had a question mark around that. It sounded like Jason. It could have been but... Jason.
0: I Yeah, sorry, it could th- have been I Jason.
3: I thought it was I Tony. It I couldn't work out who it was. I couldn't
0: figure
5: it out. When they quote the lyrics for Cop Killer to, you know, fake Ice-T, the lyrics are, are not the lyrics for the song at all. They've just made up a bunch of stuff which stands out when you watch the next week's episode and they actually use the proper cop-killer lyrics for the Four Kinsmen sketch.
3: Yeah. Doesn't Tom yeah. just read out, you're a cop-killer, you're a cop-killer or something
0: like that? Yeah. Well, let's, all, basically... let's all
4: kill some cops right now.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the next part, uh, police are baffled why someone crashed a four-wheel drive into Parliament House and Tom thinks he knows why cut to uh tom and uh, doing shit scared rob and mick
6: you know this this episode to me there's a there's sort of quite a lot of callbacks to stuff that's either in the episode you know it's sort of earlier in the episode or as in previous episodes and it feels like you know they're starting to build a kind of late show universe and get really comfortable with that and just sort of build and build and and get these running jokes going and so this is this to me felt like the first episode of the show where everything just seemed to snap into place. You know, there's not many kind of, you know, technical errors apart from the things with the microphones, you know, everyone feels like they're well rehearsed and comfortable with the studio. And, and, you know, it's just a sign of kind of growing confidence in the program I think is, is all these um, callbacks and, and references.
3: Yeah. And there's some interesting linking in this episode too, like Tommy G sort of linking to that, shit-scared bit from the end of the news desk, which is actually quite weird. Usually the news desk comes to an end and, you know, then you move on to the next bit.
6: Yeah, they're getting good at the transitions and and making them Mm. smoother, a bit more interesting. Yeah.
0: The next part being uh, a commercial, Wanker Roller, with Rob promoting mobile phones.
6: Isn't he, Rob? It's kind of like the part he was born to play, I
4: think.
0: (laughs) I don't know what store they used, but they definitely used a Tandy Electronics store.
4: Now, also, did you notice somebody in the mob at the start saying to Rob's character, you're a wanker?
3: Yeah, no. that was all the rest of the cast, wasn't it? Uh, plus one. Alf Camillary. Oh, did you notice uh, him hmm. on the left?
4: No. no. Yes. Alf Camillary? Yes, I did spot
0: oh. him. Nice.
7: Oh, yeah, there he
4: is.
0: <laughs> so this is when mobile Sorry. phones, uh, especially uh, fold phones, were yep. becoming the norm.
7: Yeah, mobile phones, I think, were still very much a yuppie phenomenon and, and anyone, anyone who had one was... Uh, seemed a, a bit of a wanker as the whole sketch um, describes um, here at wankerola we make mobile phones to suit every budget and i really liked the the budget version which was basically a phone booth
3: <laughs> yeah that was great mm-hmm. <laughs> what the yeah, elaborate it's... joke that was with the phone booth on the body's on back <laughs> <laughs> and 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 it just
4: I... it shows how much mobile phones have have come uh so far Um, Yeah, considering again, you know, uh, current events, uh, they've announced yet another iPhone and they don't, they seem to have uh, shed their wanker tag in some some ways, I suppose. But I mean, in in other ways, I mean, considering how shiny and premium and uh, expensive they are nowadays.
3: Yeah. It's so funny that you were a wanker if you had a mobile phone back in the early 90s because you were some high flying businessman or something. But now, like you're—I used to remember it was just a year ago—you were a wanker if you were using FaceTime. <laughs> like, oh yes, that wanker using a video call, and now here we all are. <laughs> mm.
4: You were a wanker if you had AirPods. Oh yeah, that—that—that—that
0: yeah.
4: <laughs> that, 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 that seems to have—I've—I've—I've I've, I've got mindset like uh, considering I use these for the sneaky listen to a podcast uh, at work. These things are an absolute godsend. <laughs> Yeah. I, I
1: still
7: like my my uh connected earphones yeah. which i'm which i've got now yeah because i would just lose those
0: i've got like about four or five pairs of those floating around home
1: yeah uh, my, I, I also I like
7: know. um in the sketch there was the the clip-on phone and uh rob putting it on uh basically put it on his crotch as this is kind of a hey i'm a man with this really great mobile phone Bit yeah a basically modern, modern day cod piece
4: basically subtly (laughs) saying what the mobile phone is compensating for yeah
1: (laughs) yeah
6: yeah i I remember there was a a kind of a thing in the mid 90s where people um who were having a cup of coffee in rundle street in adelaide they would sit you know at one of the outside tables and if they had a mobile phone they would put their mobile phone in the center of the table so anyone walking past could go ah they've got a mobile phone they must be cool you know and this was a really (laughs) to to display your mobile phone because they were so, they were new and they were really expensive as well. They they were like a status symbol.
0: Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, well, this is where the next part where they're going to go onto the couch with every staff member there where Rob snaps pretty much. He reflects on (coughs) people using mobile (laughs) phones in restaurants and he will snap next time anyone uses their phone. Then you cut to a student's audience member, Aaron Bocair, (laughs) <laughs> uh, with the mobile phone, and Rob just plain out shoots him.
3: Yeah, what a dangerous stunt that would have been, you know, yeah. like a gun, like a fake gun going off but facing the audience. Yeah, like yeah. I can't imagine. Yes, I don't know. I can't imagine that happening today. Too much, yeah, of, health and safety. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Too much health and safety getting involved.
5: Yeah, well, I the... really felt like something they just did because Aaron Boakes said, "Oh yeah, I can do that," like. Yeah, just wouldn't it be cool to shoot someone in the studio?
0: <laughs> well, I love the fact
5: Aaron
6: that Burke, as I remember got shot several times on the Late Show live in the studio. But we'll get to that in future episodes.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. I love when he gets shot, and then Santo walks on stage and just kicks his Kisses body off. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah, Aaron Brookhair was a great actor. I think
0: an <laughs> overactor. Yeah, fantastic.
3: Was he actually a stuntman? Was that his back? Yeah, time. I
5: think he was. I think he was like a, if he wasn't a stunt man, he was a stunt technician. He was somebody who knew how to blow things up and bake squibs and all that kind
3: oh, of thing. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely a pro at that.
0: Yeah. So with Jason, Mick, Jane, Philip Brady, Michael Hirsch as well, uh, Tom and Tony gather onto the couch and they go to watch Jace and Mick's slideshow to Eggworld. <laughs> which
3: Eggworld is a bit underwhelming, isn't it? It's nothing like the the Ned Kelly world trip that they do.
0: Oh, Glenn to Rowan. camera
3: later on, yeah. But Egg well, World I'm, was like, yeah.
5: what? I <laughs> wondered if they <laughs> sent somebody out there just to take a bunch of photos, and then realised after this sketch that those sort of trips only worked if they went in person.
3: Yeah, maybe it could have been <laughs> anyone really going up.
5: They're not in the photos. You don't see them. You just see various bland Eggworld things.
3: Yeah.
6: Yeah. I ha- I have to say as someone who has been to Eggworld it it really
3: <laughs> Well, hang on. Yeah, talk about burying the <laughs>
6: <up>. <laughs> Well, okay. Um I grew up in Adelaide and and my dad's family all lived on the Mornington Peninsula so we would drive over there several times a year and and we we went every possible route you could including kind of via um Geelong which is An Egg World, I believe, is kind of near Geelong or sort of in between the kind of Geelong, Melbourne stretch of road. And, yeah, we we went there one day because, you know, it's a giant egg and you can (laughs) see it from the road. Like you can see it from several kilometres away. It's just a giant egg and giant chickens. And, And really all it is, is it's just a big chicken farm. And they thought, hey, wouldn't it be great if we build this giant egg and we'll get the tourists in? But when you get there, it's basically just an egg farm with a a sort of giant egg. And there's really not very much to do for the tourists. And and you can see that from the photos. There's just like the swings and there's a wonky bin and and a gift (laughs) shop. That's kind of it.
3: I can't believe that gift shop, though. It looks immense like what it looks like the Jurassic Park gift shop they've got that meant much stuff oh, Eggworm, yeah. what are you doing <laughs> but there's like on you know in
6: between like Adelaide and Melbourne there are various things like that like there's a giant koala with a gift shop in it there's like there's like Cheese World which is kind of near Warrnambool and again Cheese World is it's basically a dairy that makes cheese and they've just sort of added a gift shop to it You know, there's all these kind of pissy attractions, which, you know, if you're doing a long drive, which goes for like sort of seven hours, which is what Adelaide to Melbourne is, if you drive it, then you want somewhere to stop off to have a cup of tea or just to go to the toilet or do something different. And so you just sort of find yourself stopping at a lot of roadhouses and pissy attractions like
4: that. I've got no idea who the person is that they flash up when they say they're going to show a picture at the Big E. Oh,
0: yeah. Who, who
4: is that yeah. <laughs> person? I'm sorry.
1: Yeah.
0: No oh, idea.
3: I wondered that too. It looks a little bit like a very young Paul Grabowski, but I'm not sure why. Oh, it was yeah. No, I, I thought, thought that's I,
5: Paul I, Grabowski.
3: Ah, okay.
4: Um, who was the band leader on Tonight Live
0: with yeah, Stevie yeah. Okay, that makes See,
4: sense. Because I thought, I thought he looked a little bit sort of Marty gold, but with hair, per, personally. I wasn't quite yeah, sure. Yeah, anyway. I think
0: that's,
3: the, that's the, um, the thing that throws you because, of course, Paul Grabowski does not have any hair now.
0: Gotcha. Mm-hmm. The next segment being Sideshow Ads. Uh, accent on Lunacy Driving School. Embarrassing hair pieces. With, with
4: embarrassing misspelled
0: as well. Yep, with the Elton John photo with his toupee. Jeans and stuff, all else, which are stockists of Amco tackle meshes, and thinking about absolutely nothing. You could be a co-host on Sale of the Century with a photo of Joe Bailey. Oh.
6: That, that was such a mean joke. I it thought. was, yes, wasn't it? That was harsh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, anyway, it it's felt really mean.
7: Well, later on, there, there's the whole save Joe Bailey rally. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. later.
0: <laughs> so after the quick slideshow of ads uh, you have tom and jane that break down and how to be noticed as an extra on tv which they have guy pierce and lucinda coden from neighbors uh performing a routine in a cafe in the middle of a shopping center where extras do random and obvious things to get attention to the, of the camera now does anyone know what shopping center this was or is to i was general?
5: wondering that it, it looked like a There's a couple of food courts in the Melbourne CBD that sort of look like that. But I I kind of thought it might have been the Australia on Collins one, which has been... I I, I think it might
3: be that area in um, Como, um, you know, in South Yarra there's this little sort of...
5: Oh, maybe?
3: Yeah, because they've got those weird sweeping staircase things
1: yeah it, it it's a very
3: be. boring titbit i think wherever it was someone i think guy Pearce was rad in this wasn't he it's <laughs> such a good sport to do it oh yeah it looks like it's
6: a hotel foyer and i wondered if maybe it was the same hotel where they shot jason's um changing room oh you know, it was a complete guess because it looks it looks way more like a hotel foyer than a food court but i i will stand corrected if someone actually knows
3: well, the, the Como is a hotel, so that might be the vibe it's giving off. So
7: I noticed Jane was uh, chewing gum throughout this uh, uh, segment, and I wonder if it was extra chewing gum.
3: <laughs> ah, <laughs> yes, and this was another about. one where Tom and Jane were reading scripts off their clipboard as well. They yeah, clearly the didn't have enough going. time to learn any of Nice. Yeah.
0: Other than uh, all the shenanigans that went on in the background for it, including the odd Logie shot and Santa being set on fire, straight off at Graham and the Colonel. Which uh, Tony does the voiceover and the music, but no montage yet. Then you have straight up the f- thigh blaster joke again, which yep, is... far the, east and flimsy. Yeah, far <laughs> east and flimsy. The lapel mics were playing up, so they had to go to the wireless mics for a bit.
6: Yep, Annie Marva comes in very quickly with the microphones.
0: Yep, and they talk about um, the Olympics. So uh, sponsors behind the Australian Olympic team would be very happy. Uh, how prestigious it is to sponsor an injured athlete, really.
7: And no, uh, was it two, two bronze medals out of seventy-nine track and field? Yes. It was a little bit mean. <laughs>
5: yeah, wasn't yeah. this the I mean, Olympics that was so we did so poorly? They st- set up the Australian Sports Institute. Possibly. Yeah, there, there was one we did so badly at that they just kind of went. We've got to get our act in gear and set up a, an actual sports school and stuff. It's almost certainly wrong. I know nothing about sport.
4: When did? Kellogg's, sustain, come out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and nice. they reference
3: that archery thing again with the Mars bar. Like I'm still flummoxed.
7: <laughs> What's that also a word? That's yep. <laughs> yeah, it, it must episode. have been a
6: very prolific ad. The the archery Mars bar. I have no memory of that.
0: Ah. But once their lapel mics got working again and Graham got lost saying, where were we? Oh, we were in deep shit. <laughs> and the colonel's going, hey, <laughs> language. Actually,
3: Robert Santo poked really well with that, I think, because it was so distracting. Like, first of all, their, their mics didn't actually fail. Like, you could mm. completely hear them fine. And then these, these hand mics have rushed in front of them and then there's another one. And it was, I'm... like, completely...
0: I was going to That's say I, I believe that they were working, but they had a bit of crackling to it, so they decided to turf it and then fine tune it a bit later. So you had, uh, well, Rexona back to winner, Lisa Oniyeki. hooray! <laughs> oh, I don't know what this joke was, but they you know saying they switched from a spray to a roll-on.
1: It's, it's because uh, last 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 episode she had a
4: oh, yeah, drink spike.
0: Of course, mm-hmm. yes, sure. uh, and the colonel wrote a poem. Graham what's got you flummoxed yeah. <laughs> colonel I, I, lo-
4: I love I love how, how they, they can't get past that word flummoxed
0: yep and the colonel's <laughs> trying to find a rhyme with monghetti
4: there's a line in this um where they they talk about
6: sport and politics and and one of them says sport and politics shouldn't mix like black and white people and then <gasps> that that line quite rightly gets a whole bunch of booze
0: yeah it does doesn't <laughs> it
6: wow. yeah, I totally missed that. God, what a shocker! Yeah. I mean, they're they're joking when they say that black and white people shouldn't mix together. That that's the joke is that they're saying that, but they don't mean it. But I I like the fact that they just reinforce that fact by having the audience boo them.
0: Yeah, <laughs> back to did you watch the L special? And the cool joke is the colonel goes, uh, "What does the L stand for?"
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so a lot of that just went straight over people's heads. <laughs> Yeah, And and it was a great doco, but we were spoiled by the Albie Mangles World Safari series.
4: (laughs) Again, bringing it to those daggy 70s references.
6: Yeah. Albie Mangles, I think, was still making films in the early 90s. Correct me if I'm wrong, anyone. He was um, still around,
0: I think. I think so. I know that uh, Santa idolised Albie, that's for sure, because there's references to Albie further down the track. Yeah. Yeah. And up uh, the closing remarks. Tom has Charlie on his lap before he became yep. Charlie the Wonder Dog. And and he's
6: the new script editor of the program, it turns out. Yep. I
3: thought he said she though when he was referencing the dog. So then I was like, is it Charlie? But maybe he didn't. Oh, he said-
5: maybe. I'm not sure. Didn't Tom have two dogs around the Charlie he was-
0: era? He did, he did, yeah. He had yeah.
6: one was a one was a-, a female dog and the other one was Charlie.
0: Then we'll get the other one. The The,
6: the other one appears in the program at some point. So actually the dog that we saw may not have been Charlie because the dog is not named.
3: So
0: Gotcha. Yeah. They only have time for one worst album cover, which is the Ted Maury gang strutting. Wearing the
3: tackle mashes.
0: Yes, the tackle mashes.
6: What a a bunch of dead set horn bags they all are. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) Not. (laughs) Yeah. So with the closing credits... Now, did you get who what the joke uh, credit was?
3: Yes, Michael is Mr Brady's stand-in.
4: Uh, and we also had uh, Philip Brady and Peter Couchman, uh, who were both uh, right at the start. Uh, David Cameron, who was in the Vietnam piece. Uh, Lucinda Cowden and Guy Pearce, who were in the extras piece. Uh, Ted Whitten in Commercial Crime Stoppers. And uh, he's listed as Zio Alberto. Zio is Italian for um, uncle. So, yeah, uncle
0: Alberto um, as himself. And during the closing clips as well, they, it looks like they were showing clips from the rehearsal because they had a bald Graham.
3: Yeah, I saw that. Mm-hmm. Robbing the bald cap.
0: Yeah. To wrap up, they had the studio audience tickets with Philip Brady yeah. you know, plugging away. Good old Phil.
3: And it, what a pro he was.
0: Oh, he loved it. He absolutely loved it.
3: Yeah, I really enjoyed Philip Brady
6: turning up in multiple sketches in this program. He was really good.
4: Oh, we're at the end of another episode. Yes, we we're are. we in it.
0: Yep, so that wraps up uh, episode five of the Champagne Comedy Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. If you stuck around for this long, really do appreciate it. You don't know what goes on behind the scenes, trust us. It's <laughs> really, really interesting. You only hear the good bits, kind of like the best bits of the Late Show DVD. There we go. (laughs) Yay. So, uh, yeah, just want to say thank you very much, uh, Alison, Daniel, Kim, Prue, Tony, thank you for coming on to the show tonight to discuss random crap about this episode. My pleasure. It was a pleasure.
7: Yeah, always a good time. Yep.
0: And if you want to give us any feedback or any other extra information that we missed out on or we were completely wrong with any of we don't really do fact-checking. We just do a quick uh, little search. Uh, feel free to tweet us at TLS Champagne on Twitter or send us an email, ChampagneLateShow at gmail.com. All right, well, that ends uh, episode five of this episode. So um, thank you very much for listening. And, uh, yeah, as I said, reach out to us on all the socials and emails. And until next time, uh, I don't know. I- I'm flumming flim- right Australian? now. <laughs> I'm quite yeah. flummoxed with this ending, so thank you. <laughs> Catch you next time.
1: Bye.
2: I don't have to step out of myself. When I'm on camera. I think that's probably one of the biggest differences
0: between acting and modelling.
2: Yep. Just want to squeeze <laughs> that one
0: in. Thank you. Have a good night and day, wherever you're listening. Thank you for listening to the Champagne Comedy Podcast, created by fans for the fans. For more information on this podcast, please visit champagnecomedy.com. Produced by Matt Fulton Productions. Mattfulton.com.au.